This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 135 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin and Bridget Prue. 15-2 and two are the Boston Bruins, the first 17 games of the year. I know we all predicted this. Um, I mean, they just keep rolling. They, they defeat the Flyers 4-1 to one at the Garden, and you know we'll, we'll get into it, but the first 40 minutes of the game, they looked like a team that hadn't played in four days. A lot of turnovers. Um, just, you know, they just didn't seem like themselves, but yet they still find a way to win. Um, it's just real impressive what they're doing. Even when they're off, they're still winning. Yeah, and they've been a dominant third-period team, and we saw that again on Thursday night. They they have the best third-period goal. I mean, they have the best overall goal differential in the league, but Best in the third period in particular. They're now plus 18 on the season. Next best is the Islanders at plus 14. And we see it night after night. They're able to close games out. They can extend leads. They can come back. Um, Thursday night, we see them uh, see the Flyers pull within one in the third period. And then the Bruins slam the door shut and get it to 3-1 and then to 4-1. Um you're right. Like they didn't play great the first 40 minutes. They did. They looked very sloppy, but they're, they're so good that they can still pull away in games, even without playing a full 60 minutes. Now. Yeah. At some point you, you know, you want to play full 60. You want to make a habit of that. You know, we've talked before about this tough stretch of games they have coming up. Uh, you know, end of November into early December, like that stretch of games, you're going to need more complete efforts. You're not going to be able to, you know, kind of, I, w- I wouldn't say like, they didn't sleepwalk through the first 40 minutes. And I thought there was some energy. They were just very sloppy. Um, well, but, like, you're, you're not going to be able to do that they against were, better teams. Montgomery said they were too excited. So like energy was definitely there, but like eagerness, like over eagerness to like make, these plays and things were just like hectic, I guess. 
Yeah, it's kind of like when when you haven't had a cheat meal in a long time, you go through Chick Fil A and you just start you know scuffing down the the waffle fries and, you, and you're like, oh boy, I got a little heartburn there for a second. You have to have a sip of the Diet Coke, whatever. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a little too excited to start the, start this one out, but I mean, well, and, and Trent Frederick, I don't know if you guys heard in the intermission. Um, I don't like Scott's TV was working at the Garden, but in the first intermission, um, Razor talked to Trent Frederick and he said like. It, you could definitely tell like we had time off like three days off um and but he was like yeah but I don't have any worry that we're gonna get like we're gonna get there um like by by second third period we're gonna be fine is kind of what he was saying and he was right and the team has and, and the reason why he said it and thought it is because the team has been doing that consistently yeah and I think just to speak to Scott's point like a minute ago um you know, they're not going to have the luxury of, of, of necessarily having these types of starts to games over the next couple of uh, weeks or so. I mean, they're going to have some real stiff competition. I think, you know, you have Florida and Tampa next week. I know you have you have Colorado and Carolina and Vegas. They're all on the schedule. So, um, Vegas. yeah, Vegas. Yep. But she's coming back to town. Um, but, you know, if it, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, um, you know, Philadelphia could have they could have been up a couple goals in the first after the first 40. So, you know, it's just understand they had four days off. Um, we get that all good. Um, understand that we're a month into the season and they already have 30 points in the bank, which is crazy. It really is insane. Um, get all that. But going forward, there is going to be some stiff competition. Now, the good news is they built themselves this cushion, but you – you want to, you, you just, it's about main, playing the right way throughout the season and continuing to have good habits. And, uh, and they're going to be tested going forward. Like, like I mentioned earlier. So um, as great as they are in the third period and as, as many game breakers as they have, where they can kind of get away with some inconsistent play throughout the course of 60 minutes and still find a way to win. Um, it's going to be more challenging to get away with that going forward. And it's great that the Bruins are in position where they have, they have a deep lineup and when the top guys aren't going, they, they are able to get production from their bottom six and kind of kickstart the team in a, in a game where maybe the top six aren't really rolling. And they got there eventually tonight with Krejci, but in years past, they didn't have that luxury of having a, a bottom six that could spark them on a given night. And they do now. Yeah. How about Tomas Nosa? Can't, can't stop scoring now. He gets the empty netter last game as first goal and, 72 games, I think, including playoffs. And then he goes right back out and, and scores again on, on, you know, to open the scoring Thursday night on just a really good all around play, starting with Hambus Lindholm leading the rush through the neutral zone, getting the zone entry. Um, and then Felino setting up no sick. Um, Felino on the power play sets up Krejci later in the game. So, you know, another strong game for Felino. Um and Krejci getting going is huge because you know, we talked we've talked about in a couple of recent podcasts how that second line just hasn't you know, they haven't been bad, but they haven't really taken off yet. Um Krejci scores twice Thursday night. He, he he came in with just one point in his previous five games. Uh him and Hall together were were dominant against the Flyers. Um, 
starting the game at DeBrusque there, and then they actually changed it up as the game went on, and Pavel Zaka got some shifts there. Uh, it looked good with Pavel Zaka there. I really liked how it looked with Pavel there, and I, I do think that DeBrusque looks better on the first uh, – with with Marshawn and, and Bergeron, but they still haven't really tried to go back to that yet. Except for yeah, on the power I mean, play, I, I think obviously. It should – he should be able to work on the second line. I I wonder if this is just, you know, an in-game thing that might not necessarily continue moving forward. But no, uh, you're right that Zaka did look good there. And he sets yeah. up Krejci's first goal with just a great aggressive play closing down on a defenseman and, and poking the puck over to Krejci. Oh, yeah. He did all the work on that. Yeah. Krejci just, like, luckily was able to finish that really nicely. But, um like Zaka gave him this great a opportunity with the way that he worked hard to get that puck and Krejci did a good job, you know, finding it, using his legs to try to get to get to it before anyone else could. But I thought Zaka looked really good when he was moved there in the third period. What I was saying more about DeBrusque wasn't that I don't want him on the second line is that I just think he works better with Marshawn and Bergeron. Um, And I, I don't think Pasternak really, like when they put the perfection line back together for today's game, it, it wasn't doing all that much. Um, I don't know. I could have, I could have, I would have liked to seen DeBrusque back on the first line. I just thought it looked, he didn't look well, like he was playing that well until he was with the guys on the power play um, that he, he's been playing with mostly um, to start the season. I think, uh, I think a lot of guys, would probably look optimal next to Bergeron and Marshan. <laughs> I don't know if that's a DeBrusque specific thing, but but your point is is well taken. It's uh, you know, I, I just think I read somewhere that Jim Montgomery. And perhaps you guys can tell me where I may have seen it because you probably know you were probably in the scrum. But he talked about how he told his top six to kind of get used to each other. Uh, yeah, he's he said that a few times now that he wants he wants everyone to be able to play with everyone basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so to that point, like, I just feel there's, it's such a long season. I'm, 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 I'm really trying to just kind of not put too much stock and pressure into um, the, the ideal trios right now. I just think that over the course of 82 guys go through different highs and lows and, and, um, Sometimes the best way to get a guy from a low to a high is to put him with a different combination, just kind of tinker things up, keep things fresh throughout the year. So I'm not really trying to find, I'm not really looking for the Bruins to solidify like their ideal and obviously injuries play a part too. Right. But once we, once the calendar hits, I would say like this, the latter, like February, um, that's when you really want to start to hone in on like, all right, we go into a playoff series. Like who do we really think we should be going with? And even then it's matchup dependent. Right. And um, are you on the home on the road? So I don't mind them kind of tinkering these guys around because it gives them experience with a lot of their teammates. I don't know if it's just because of last year that I'm just like, he- like very hesitant to like move DeBrusque away from the thing that got him back on track. Um, so it's not that he can't do it. It's just that like somewhere in the back of my mind is like, there's just like a slippery slope maybe is the way that I think of it. And that, I mean, he could be completely 
fine working with those other two lines, but just part of you is like, all right, this is well, just... The, the one thing I would note, though, is that last year, he actually started getting going before he got moved up to that line. Like, he, he had some really good games in the fourth and third lines, and that's part of the reason why he got moved up. Like, it wasn't like, well, he sucks, so, you know, we'll just throw him there and like see if that gets him going like he got moved up because he was playing better already so um and I I just think this is so much different in that he he knows he's back to being a top six forward like regardless now technically he gets bumped down to the third line tonight but you know like I said that was kind of just like a one-off in-game switch but and I just think he, I just think he's on such play. a different place than than last year. Where like I'm not too worried about that. Dabrowski was you know playing at a fourth line level, playing at like a healthy scratch level. Like I'm not, at least as of now, I'm not worried about that Dabrowski coming back because I just think he's in such a better headspace that you know no matter which line you put him on, I, I even if it is the third line, like I, I just think the way. The way he's playing, the way he seems to be approaching this season, I I think he's going to be effective. When when it comes to Jake, it's more so for me. Um, I is he engaged every night, and he has been. I mean, we how many times have we talked over the last year and a half, five six game stretch of just like he was in, he had the Harry Potter cloak of invisibility on, right? Um, <laughs> So um, even when he's not scoring, he's engaged. And so to Scott's, to echo Scott's uh, sentiment, like I'm not worried about him either. No matter what line he's on, it's a different situation. The vibes are totally different. He has, dating back to last year, he has been one of the, I, I think dating back to this, I mean, there's probably a hard date, but let's call it um, around trade deadline of last year, maybe a little bit earlier than that. I think he's like second on the Bruins and goals only behind Pashnak, and they're not, they're not far apart from each other in that regard. So he's been fine. I I just think it's more so I think they're taking a, a bit of a break from the Pasternak, Krejci, Hall combination, because I just think that they don't think the timing's right right now to try to force that. I don't think they want them to get discouraged because it's not working. And I think they're going to come back to it at a later date when, you know, similar to tonight, like when Krejci starts to get his mojo back, he starts to feel better about himself. I think same. I think they're also waiting for Taylor Hall to kind of really, get back into peak Taylor Hall form too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they revisit the passionate Krejci Hall combination at a later date when the timing's better. I just don't think they want to force it right now. And I think that five on five, they were kind of stagnant the last week and a week, week and a half, two weeks. And I think they thought that putting that Bergeron, because they haven't played together for a long time either, right? Bergeron, Martian and Pashnak, like they were put together in the playoffs at the end of last year because Carolina just kept thumping them. But it was Hall, Halla, and Pashnak for the better portion of the second half of the last season. So it's been a long time since those three have been together. And I don't think it was a bad time to get them back reunited as well. They've been on the power play together, but it's different. So I just think it, it made sense for everybody to kind of go where they're going right now. And Zaka on the top six, he played great tonight. Um, but, yeah, I just think it was more of a reward to guy. He, 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 was, he was playing well, so they gave him the opportunity. I do want to say something that kept coming up as a theme in the post game tonight, um, especially when I talked to Nick Foligno, um, was that when you go on such a, a great start, like winning streak, or in this case, just, you know, a great record to start only 
two losses. Um, you can get like stagnant if you are like, okay, this worked. This is working so well. Like you just kind of like expect it to work well every night. But if you rotate guys, it's like a new challenge every day where you're like, okay, well, we're not trying to win the same way over and over and hoping the same formula works every time because then teams pick up on it or you like kind of just lose a little bit of that like um, urgency or, or whatever it may be. So like the shuffling through could have, you know, could be a strategy in terms of like keeping competition going and keeping guys working towards, you know, just figuring out each game as it comes, not just expecting we're really good. We're always going to be really good. Yeah. And you have the the luxury, you know, to Brian's point about what Montgomery said, you know, wanting to get everyone playing with each other and used to playing with each other. Like you have the luxury to do that when you're winning the way that they are, you know, if you're, if they were struggling right now and, you know, just on the edge of the playoffs or whatever, you'd be more inclined to say like, let's find some lines that work and stick with it and try to string together some wins. But where it seems like they win, no matter what they do, you, you can move stuff around and you you can try some different combinations and you can make switches in game and you can give guys, you know, some leash to say, okay, well, I want to see how this, combination does so even if their first two shifts don't go well you know we'll give them a little bit longer um you can do that when you keep winning games and you have like this cushion to fall back on so it's really like an ideal situation and then you saw it on defense tonight too where you get anton strawman back in after you know a bit of a long layoff for him and you do it on his offside which I thought he looked pretty good playing on the left side tonight. And it's like, again, that's another thing where, you know, maybe if you're struggling, it's like, man, do we really want to, you know, Strawman's been out a while. Do we really want to put him back in and have him be on his offside? And it's like, well, you can take that chance and see how he looks there. Uh, you know, the fact that Jacob Zaboral hasn't really run away with that job on the third pairing uh, also allows you to do that. So, um, it's just, it's a great luxury to have if you're Jim Montgomery to be able to, to still tinker, uh, you know, even, even like, even though I'm sure in his mind, he has combinations that he wants to eventually end up at, you, you can just roll with kind of whatever's working or whatever you have a gut feeling for in game. Yeah. And before we move completely on to the defense, I did have, Two more quick things. I don't know if you noticed this, Scott, but I didn't. I didn't see Charlie Coyle play like that many shifts. Like I almost felt like there was something going on with him when he didn't go out for. I know they were switching the lines up, but it just seemed like they were kind of going away from him at, at different points. I don't know if he was hurt. I mean, he still kept playing and was on the bench, but. For, for there was a stretch there where I was like, where where was Charlie Coyle at? Um, I I don't know if there was something going on. He was like trying to nurse an injury or something. Um, but he wasn't out there in the third quite as much. Yeah, I mean, there were four penalties to kill, and obviously he's a big part of that too. So, um, I haven't dug into like how his shifts broke down, but I'm wondering if, uh, you know, all that cut into some five and five shifts and maybe that's why uh, 
Um, you know, he might not have been out there as much or, or yeah. had some shifts in, in a different spot or, you know, someone else was was out there with, like, the, the third line. Well, they had Frederick centering um, a line at one point. That's, what, that's when I first noticed that Coyle, I was like, oh, no, it was Coyle hurt. Then I zoomed in on the bench, saw him there. I was like, no, I guess he's not. But Frederick was centering uh, Greer and Felino at one point. So that's when I was, like, at first worried. Uh, he also wasn't on either of the power play units, and I don't know. I, I know that was by design. I, I saw the, the power play units in morning skate, so I know he's not on yeah. either unit, but this may have been the first game where he wasn't on one of them. I may be wrong about that. Maybe last game um, he wasn't either, but he's usually been on at least the second unit since his, in his, his entire tenure in Boston, um, and they elected to go with Zaka and Felino on a second unit over any usage of coil. So maybe, maybe we're noticing some lack of special teams too, at least on the power play um, that maybe limited some minutes. Um, I didn't necessarily pick up on it five on five, but I did notice some tinkering in the bottom six. So I know Greer went down for a few shifts and maybe things got shuffled around at that point. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, the good news is he came back and, and like he didn't take no shifts towards the end of the game. It just was something that, like, I just wanted to keep an eye on. I think he's probably fine, but um, that was it. And then, so, I also feel like today is one of those days where, like, we were hard on no sick and not – and it was, especially early on, like, preseason and, like, right around making the team. And, like, we were hard on him and – pretty much like rightfully so the whole way along. But when you actually get to talk to him, like I felt like, okay, I feel a little bit bad Um, because of you could just tell that he knew people were talking about him negatively most of the season. And then when you see him not even like try to celebrate, in fact, like try to make it so no one celebrated that empty net goal, I was like, oh, okay. He's He knows like people are going to be like, oh, he had to score into an open net. <laughs> and then when he finally scored today with a goalie, he finally celebrated a little bit. And it was it was funny to talk to him after. And he was very, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, feel gr- it feels great to finally have scored. And, and um, then Felino was talking about him too and was saying like, he's kind of a misunderstood guy. He's, he's a very hardworking player. He does exactly what the team wants him to do. Um, you know, great at penalty killing, great at face-offs does exactly what we want from him. People just don't understand like his role isn't offense. And I don't think that we ever were thinking he was going to be this big offensive guy, but it's the, been the finishing that we always have. Like, it's like, Oh, it's always just so close, but no cigar. Like the time he rang the post clean at the end of one of the games, like maybe it was even in overtime or so. I just remember it being like, wow, that was, he can't even buy one. So it's just, we don't get a chance to talk to him that much. So it was kind of different getting a chance to talk to him. Yeah. And when he was in Vegas, like there were stretches where his five on five offensive numbers, um, especially on like a per minute basis, we're pretty good. And I think that's why, you know, when the Bruins signed him, it was like, yo, like that's a really solid 
fourth line kind of under the radar signing. Um, you know, at the time we thought it was, he was someone who was going to, I mean, remember how we, how much we talked about them not getting enough offense from the bottom six. And he seemed like someone who was going to bring, or at least had the potential to bring, you know, a little more offensive pop. So then when you get into the second half of last season and there's just no offense there, it's like, well, okay. Like, and offensive depth and scoring depth ends up being a problem for the Bruins again in the playoffs. It's like, well, can you really put up with that in, in your fourth line center role? Like, can that really be a black hole of offense and, and survive? And on last year's team, it couldn't be, but um, you know, I think this year there's less pressure on, there's really less pressure on everyone because everyone's stepping up and, and, and contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're, you're seeing no you know, put, you know, produce a little bit offensively, uh, at least the last couple of games. Um, but even before that, I thought he was part of a line that was creating some chances and, and Felino's driven a lot of that, but you've seen Greer and Loco, you know, producing that spot. Um, you know, I think Smith, I think, he, I think his goal, I think one of his goals came playing there, but um, yeah, like even though he wasn't scoring himself, that line was generating more offense than it was last year. So now you get him on the board and it's like, it, it again, it's just it adds to the offensive depth. Like it, it's been a strength of this team all year and, and he's been part of it. Yeah. Really the scoring that's been going on, like the fact that they are the, they're, they're number one in goals for and everything. Goals against, right. Yeah. So like that everything. gives you, that Pop gives you sales, the luxury. Goals goals against, everything. Jersey sales, everything. Um, that like it, moves everything. <laughs> that gives you the, the oh, come on Brian I'm trying to talk every time I open my mouth um he said everything Bridget <laughs> everything everything yes and uh with that um they're they have the luxury to let him just play the role that he's good at which is the penalty killing role the you know the face-offs and playing more of a defensive you know center kind of a kind of a role so it's it's good for him i'm sure he feels better now that he's contributing and, and he said so but but you know they, they do have that luxury ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, and it just popped into my head, Scott, do we have any any updates on timelines for some of the guys that are out? 
like Swayman just came back. Um, he's, you know, available technically. Um, but he hasn't gotten back in a game yet. So like Forbert or do we know when the timeline is for him? Uh, I mean, initially it looked like early December and I think that's kind of still the target goal is probably first or second week of December. There hasn't, there, there hasn't been a definitive update, but, um, I don't, we haven't gotten a, he's ahead of schedule type update on, on forward yet. So I would imagine that those first two weeks of December, somewhere in there is still, uh, the target for him and Swayman could start Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to guess that, I mean, you know, they did, they had a few days off. So Omar got some rest and it is extremely hard to go away from a goalie who is now 12, one and in the season. Um, but I do think they want to get Swayman in sooner rather than later. And, you know, Montgomery has said he does want to ease Allmark's workload at least a little bit. You know, it might not be a straight rotation, but um, he doesn't want to, you know, Allmark's played the most games of any goal in the NHL, and that's not really what the Bruins want. So they, he will get some games off uh, going forward. By the way, there's every indication that the Bruins might want to keep Forbert on IR as long as they can because of the cap situation. So they don't really have a reason to rush him back. In fact, well, they, they, they don't have to rush him, but he when he's ready, he's going to be back. And at that point, Don Sweeney has to figure out something because yeah. Forbert is clearly an upgrade over Zaboro and Strahlman, at, yeah. at least based on how he was playing uh, so far this season. Yeah, but that depends on whether or not Sweeney can pull something off in like a shorter amount of time. Like you you hope he can. And I mean, he's work. already gotten an extension. Like originally the timeline was mm-hmm. when McAvoy comes back, you have to do something. Yeah. So he already got his extension. Like you, you've got to figure it out. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, just a thought, just because like it is tied together, the IR time and the needing to make a move for cap space. Um, so that's, that remains tied together. Do you guys want to switch over to talking about some of the things you notice about the Bruins defensively? Yeah. You know, is there not much to say for you guys? I mean, Hambus Lindholm continues to be incredible. Like <laughs> he's, he still has not had a minus game as a Bruin. Um, yeah. Through like 20 something, 20 plus games. Yeah, he he's on pace to match his career high in points by the Winter Classic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, another another assist Thursday night, and didn't get one on that on that no set goal that we talked about earlier. But you know, if if ever like you could give a third assist, that's the kind of play that that you would do it for because he he started all of that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Bridget, go ahead. I was just going to say the way that they've kept him paired with Clifton has, like, has worked out perfectly, and, and McAvoy Grizzlick has been a, a good pair. I even thought Strawman and Carlo looked like a good pair. Um, you already mentioned Scott Strawman was playing you know, his opposite side that he usually does, but um, they're not like a super noticeable pair, Carlo Strawman, but they're – they got the job done, especially Carlo. He's, he's a good penalty killer. Um, so interesting to see like Carlo being a third pair guy because most teams he wouldn't be. 
Um, but you know, they, they have a lot of defensive depth at this point where Clifton is now you're like, okay, well, we thought he was maybe a third, third pair guy. And now he's not because he's up there with Lindholm and, and they make a good, um, combo. Yeah. On the, on a Lindholm Clifton pair, it's just another example of, or the latest example of them, you know, kind of pulling, pulling a team into the fight. Like we talked about earlier, it was, it wasn't the greatest start for the Bruins and obviously, um, you know, Clifton hits Nosek on the board to hits uh, Lindholm coming across as a weak side D in, in transition. And obviously Nosek and Felino and Zaka, they all had a touch on that, on that goal. So it just jump-started the team and it started with those two. Um, you know, kind of a simple play from Clifton to get it to Nosek. Um, but once, once Lindholm got that pass from Nosek, that's just a, you know, it, there's, there's not many defensemen in the league that can, skate through with that kind of confidence and poise and power and uh, make something happen out of nothing. So, I mean, it just goes to show I me mean, 18 points in 17 games. Um, yeah. I, the, the guy's an absolute beast back there right now. Uh, Clifton, another strong game. Carlo, I thought you mentioned Bridget that he's, he's not a t- uh, third pair D on most teams um, and that he's a, he's a top four. And yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Um, but he looks like he was in the right spot tonight, if I'm being honest with you guys. Um, because while I thought he had a, a good game, like he he was, you could tell he was trying to play physical. He was he was wearing on guys, but that's the, there's a lot of there's a lot of third pair demon in this league. That that's that's what their role is. Um, if you're not really bringing much to transition or anything like that, then I don't know how much room there is for you in a top four role on a on a contending team. Well, that's and in the system, and in this system, that is different than like it's a more offensive system it's more about getting involved in the rush and and the defense starting the rush and that's never been like one of his strong suits he's always been more of a shutdown guy so you are able to watch Clifton like transition into more of this offensive player because he had the ability to do it he just was never really in that kind of position where he was given the leash I guess you could say and so he's been able to use it to his advantage and, and, you know, kind of fit the way that Montgomery wants his defense to, to operate um, in transition and offensively. But Carl has never been that guy. So I guess it makes sense that he ended up, um, you know, falling a little bit behind compared to some of those guys who can do that. Yeah. I think like, especially with the strawman Carlo pairing, it's, like ideally when you think about that parent paper, what, what you want is two defensemen making smart, simple plays, you know, nothing too flashy. And I thought that's what you got Thursday night. Um, and that's a change from, from when Zaboro was there, because we've talked about this, like Zaboro this season has been making too many panic plays where he seems to get the puck and not, isn't really sure what he's, going to do with it and and ends up panicking and you know i actually think carlo's been pretty good at not doing that i think again while he hasn't been flashy and he hasn't been as involved offensively as you might want or you know jim montgomery remember said before the season he thought carlo had a lot more to give offensively was his quote like we haven't really seen that but i think he has been playing pretty smart hockey um and strawman came in and did that as well uh quick trip to stats corner Strawman and Carlo would have there at some point 
Yep. Strawman and Carlo, when they were on the ice Thursday night, 11, 11 minutes, 48 seconds at five on five. Bruins out attempted the Flyers 18 to seven, outshot them 11 to four, and scoring chances were eight to two. Um, kind of just tells you, and, that, and that's not because they were doing anything super dynamic offensively. I thought, although I thought Strawman did get involved a few times, but it's because they were making smart plays defensively and getting mm-hmm. out of the zone quickly and efficiently and not having to chase the play around and, and defend a ton. I actually thought that Strawman had a few chances that he passed up on that he could have even been more offensive. There was a time where he had all of this space, and for some reason the the Flyers' defense was super crunched in, like tight, and wasn't coming out, and he just had space to take, and, and he had a lane to shoot, and he just didn't – he, like, held it, held it, passed it, got it back, still had space to shoot – Passed it again, got it back, and then finally he shot. But I, I thought that, you know, either of the first two times he had the puck, he could have just tried to throw something on net because guys were guys were in, in the crease, maybe grab a rebound. But he had, you know, he could have had some even more looks, I guess. Um, and something different about his game today than, than maybe – I think this is his fifth game. Um, but he – in some of the earlier games um, – Looked a little bit not at NHL speed, I guess you could say. Um, maybe just like a little slower than he needed to be. But I don't think that he wasn't noticeably, you know, anything like that today. He seemed like regular regular pace, what you need from him. So that was also um, encouraging to see that he seemed to be a little bit more up to speed. Yeah, and just you know, one one last note for me on on uh, the Bruins defense is if Brandon Carlo is uh, is in a third role, third line role this year, third DP role this year, you know you can't look at it like it's a demotion of any sort. It's uh like you need you need that uh, that that DP to be a strong shutdown DP. Every Stanley Cup caliber winning team has that reliable third DP. So it's just a matter of what what's your if you're on that 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 DP, it's it's just know what your role is it's not necessarily that it's you're less important it's just you have a different job um i mean all their jobs are to defend but you know what i'm trying to say it's just a a shut down role you know what i mean what about everybody needs that what about when forbert comes back i mean what's the best look about that because i've said in the past like i I don't love the idea of a forbert clifton pairing because i I just feel like there's not enough foot speed there. You mean um, Forbert Carlo? Forbert Carlo, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, but seeing seeing Strawman Carlo, now Strawman's probably a better skater than Forbert, even at his older age. Um, but the Forbert slander continues. Coach Strawman. No, Forbert's been really good, but like, I know he's not. You know, he's not going to be blown past people. Like it almost just feels almost. like you have to like you 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 like him, but you like give him some negs every once in a while, <laughs> like, just a little neg here and there. Yeah, but so I think seeing the Strawman Carlo pairing have some success Thursday night gives me like some optimism that a forward Carlo pairing could look similar in, in terms of, like I said, like just having two steady defensemen make smart plays, simple plays 
and like not try to be too aggressive. Um, I, you know, we have to actually see it play out, but I could see that being similar to like what we saw from, from Strahm and Carlo tonight. Yeah. I mean, I'm not taking Clifton out of my, my top four right now. Yeah. And when you, you, you talk about a lack of potential lack of split, uh, foot speed between Carlo and Forbert, but you have to remember, I'm not talking to Scott, I'm just saying in general, like, like when you have that much size between them and, and those, those long, you know, uh, wingspans and the long sticks. Um, if you have good gap control, you can make up for that and good yeah. angling. So I, I'm not too concerned about that because they can they can learn, you know, they can learn how to make up for that lack of speed. I think they would figure that out pretty well. And but more importantly, I just don't want to take Clifton out of the top four right now. He's effective every single night. He's making things happen, and he's he's playing really well with Lindholm and McAvoy and Grizzly have their chemistry dating back to BU. So. I think right now it's 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 better off to make Carlo and Forbert eventually learn how to live together than it is to uproot what, what what's clearly working right now for them. So, um, did you have any yeah. any optimal? And, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And along the lines of you know Montgomery saying he wants forwards to figure to figure out how to play together, it's the same thing on defense. So, you know, trying that Forbert Carlo pairing when. Uh, the two pairs in front of them are, are already clicking. Like that makes sense. Like when, when Forber comes back, um, you know, assuming there's no other injuries between now and then, like that's a good time to try that. So uh, even though I might, you know, be a little skeptical of, of how that ends up looking like again, that they're rolling so well, there's no harm in giving it a shot, especially because it allows you to stick with two other pairings that are, that are working well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I want to throw this at you guys real quick um, before before we hit out. It's actually there's, there's also a potential fashion segment too. Um, oh, but okay. but uh, Bridget, you mentioned uh, a, a week or week or two ago. I don't really remember when, but you called Nick Felino the captain of the bottom six. Mm-hmm. And I just want to bring this up. Remember that time like a month ago when the Bruins put him on waivers, and we were all like, they finally made the tough call that they had to make. And it's almost just kind of like you can't, you can't really imagine this top six playing this well without him in, in the mix right now. And it's it's just it's just crazy how much difference a month can make between the perception of a player. Like here we all were thinking like somebody please take him, get his cap off the books. And now he, all of a sudden he looks like the Nick Felino that was a captain in Columbus through 17 games this year, and he's a huge part of this team. Yeah, and he and he sets up the second Krejci goal, and and like it's not only that he's just affecting the bottom six, like you said, like he's getting time on ice on the second power play unit, and and he's been able to play with the some top six guys, and and looks completely comfortable. Um, and that was a beautiful setup um, that he had, the two that he had. Um, so it's nice to see, and he really is a very intelligent hockey player. 
intelligent person. Um, really a nice guy. He gives, you know, some of the better answers. Like he, he's very willing to, to be open to as well in post game and in different interviews. So, um, he just seems really happy right now too. Like after the game, when we talked to him, he just wanted to go on and on because he has so much that he's like proud of with the team and, and just different experiences that he's bringing into it. Um, and, and, you know, I think he just is enjoying the results, um, both the team's results and his own personal results. And he's just using it and, and feeding off of it. Kind of the way when Jake DeBrusca going, he just kind of like snowballed. It just feels like there's a little bit of that effect with Felino. Yeah. And when they put him on waivers, it's like, yeah, everyone knows there's, you know, a 99% chance he's not getting claimed, especially coming off the season. He was coming off the cap hit that he has, but it's like, there was always that small chance. Like, you know, people mentioned like, Hey, what if Tortorella and Philly wanted him? You know, it's kind of a younger team that could use a veteran leader. Like what if they mm-hmm. found a way to do something? It's like, you don't expect it, but Hey, when it plays on waivers, there's always a chance. So, um, yeah, obviously they're looking back on it. Now they're thrilled that he wasn't claimed and that he's still here. And now like, when we're talking about how they're going to eventually clear salary off the books um, when Fulbert returns, it's like, he, he's not even part of the conversation. Like, like we could sit yeah, here. And, he's like, it's like he has immunity. Yeah. We could like sit here and debate, you know, whether he's overpaid, like I think 3.8 million for any fourth liner is, is an awful lot, but he's not going anywhere. Like to your point, like he, he's been good enough and he's such a leader on that line and in the bottom six overall, and just for the team in general, that he is too valuable. Like he's too valuable to them that even, yeah. Okay. Even if his cap hits higher than it should be, you want him on the team and you feel like it would be at this point, a, a fairly significant hit if they lost him. Like there, there's other guys that they would rather move that are more, you know, a little more expendable and, you know, it's not going to be easy. Like every team knows what their situation is, but I don't think it, it wouldn't have been easy to move Felino either. Like it, even with his good start, I don't think you'd have teams lined up, like giving you an asset. Like it would still, no matter what that cap clearing move is going to be a tough one unless, mm-hmm. you know, cause you unless, have to sweeten the deal. Yeah. Unless they surprise us and move someone that we're not even really talking about or, or anticipating, but mm-hmm. Well, and and the funny thing to your point, Brian, about how the difference among a month makes. I when they first waived Riley as well, it's like I was at first kind of taken aback by that move, and um, he hasn't gotten you know maybe very many chances, um, but he hasn't been missed uh, too much in the lineup either. So originally I was like, okay, Felino, that makes sense. Riley, you know, maybe I wouldn't have done that, but now it just seems like the opposite's true. And, um, I think that Felino would be a big loss also, um, in this already shit show of a PR situation because he's so universally liked and just a good guy. And one of those like character guys that you have in your locker room and and a leader um 
and somebody who was like did handle things really well during the PR nightmare with Mitchell Miller um that <laughs> it doesn't make sense to move him for a lot of reasons but that would be just another thing where you're like okay our culture is this and Felino is a big part of our culture because of the way that he is as a leader and then you move him so I don't know and I just think he's very safe at this point yeah I mean and you know Scott used the term fourth liner and that's you know, objectively what he's being used as right now, but he's also a fourth liner who's, you know, getting second power play minutes and he has nine points in 17 games, which is a little bit better than a traditional fourth liner. And, um, you know, you say 3.8 million, if he can stay healthy this year and give you close to 40 points, combine that with his locker room leadership and on ice leadership, all of a sudden 3.8 is kind of not seeing it that crazy. I mean, it's not like he's making seven, right? So yeah. True. It's a great comeback story for him so far, and hopefully that continues. I'm willing to pass the baton on the fashion segment until um, this news that I saw is official, uh, which was just a potential Winter Classic uniform leak. I'll save that for a later day, for a rainy day. Um, I don't think I, I don't believe that's that's entirely accurate. Anyways, what got leaked? So. Mm, yeah, so I guess we'll just we'll just wait until we see that on the 29th when it comes out. So who leaked it? If it's fake news, <laughs> who just? Yeah, some some Bruins avatar Twitter account. There's like a million of them. Although Pete Blackburn did say he responded to yeah. it. And said he it. quote tweeted said like he didn't know, like like he didn't know if this was definitely it, but it was similar to like something he's heard. So it might not be far off, but I don't think that was the actual jersey. We'll just have to wait for that fashion segment then. Yeah. Well, I don't think when. Oh when wait, I... wait. Ronald McDonald jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll tweet that out from the from the skate park conversation <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. So they were they both texted in the group chat. Oh, I really like these new uh, Devils jerseys that they got, and I said I like them too, but they're giving me Ronald McDonald vibes, and then you can't unsee it once you see it. <laughs> Yeah, and Brian yeah. photoshopped Ronald McDonald over Nico Heischer. How 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 natural did that did that mugshot look too? It looked just it looked like a hockey <laughs> card. It was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, he's I mean, like, wow, I didn't know Ronald McDonald was a defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, yeah. Our listeners are like, yeah, I probably have to be there. Um, yeah, no, we're talking. No, we'll the, we'll the tweet it out. Retro. Yeah, tweet it out because it's great Photoshop work by you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's gonna look good. It's gonna look good. Um, oh, one other thing too, I just wanted to mention this, and this is so random, but I was watching the Canadians Devils game last night, and it got me thinking. I was like, why does it feel like it's been ten years since the Bruins played the Canadians? And then it, it they've only played them three times in the last like two calendar years. I feel like or four times, and they play them three times this year, and only once at the Garden. What the yeah. hell is wrong? What's what's up with that? Like. Is the league really trying to just sabotage this rivalry forever? Very random, I know, but that just pops in my head. All right, it's getting late. Um, I think we should probably wrap it up unless you guys have anything else. Yeah, I don't like I don't like this new schedule. Like, like the the way that you play some division teams only three times, it's it's brutal. Like if you remember last year, they only had three games against the Maple Leafs, and like Bruins Maple Leafs, obviously in recent years has been a great rivalry. They only played three times last season, and one of them was the last game of the regular season. It was completely yeah, and that's for that's it, like, isn't that how it is again this year? They play they play at the very end of the season, 
um, against, let's see. But yeah, um, at at the very least, the NHL needs to make it so that the last game of the regular season is not a division game. Well, it's Montreal, the last game of the division. This yeah, year, and, so. and again, same thing. So they basically like flipped with Toronto. Like mm-hmm. to Brian's point, like that's one of three against Montreal, and it's going to be a potentially completely meaningless game. And I don't even think they play them the first time until like January or something. It's just stupid. It's like yeah. Like, the, so, and by the way, like, I know there was something called a pandemic that happened this, this the last few years. So I know that a lot of games were canceled and seasons were canceled. Well, that whole, know, that I, whole COVID season, they didn't play a single Canadian team. Exactly. So. Yeah. They, yeah. They're, they're in the, uh, the Tim Hortons division, but, um, <laughs> but, but it's just, it's so weird to me that like, you know, you look at a calendar and it's like the Bruins and Canadians are only like, but by the time this season ends, so fast forward to spring of 23, the Bruins and the Canadians will have only played at the garden like three times in like four years in a four year span. Like that's just, that's crazy to me. It really is insane. It would be worse if the Canadians were decent. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, they're getting like there. You, they're getting yeah. there. They got, they got some surprises on D that we didn't anticipate this going into this year. Uh, Jack guy. And um, uh, what's that kid's name? Caden uh, Gooley. I think his name is or something like that pretty good player too but they're on they're getting there but still just want to see him play the Bruins it's 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 a lost it's a lost rivalry the last handful of years they gotta pick that back up but anyway we'll, we'll talk about that at a later time I know Bridget has to cut this up and she's she's had a long day I can see it on her face so and I have to drive to Yale again tomorrow morning so god bless you god bless you can listen to love New pod, Haven though. you can throw the skate pod on, on the radio when you're driving though I, do you know, do you know thing. Bridget, I already know what I said, though. Do you know what Bridget told me about her? All these trips to New Haven. She never gets the pizza down there. I'm like <laughs> That's like the one thing everybody knows about New Haven. Okay, well, that's not my fault. I get out of work. I get out of broadcasting the games and they're all closed. And I don't eat much before I broadcast. That's a fair point. But you do have to enjoy the pizza down there. It's it's really good. They got yeah. four or five really good places. Like I'll really get around good. to it. I'll, By the I'll, way, get a, I'll get a late night pizza one of these nights. I'll make someone pick it up for me while I'm at the game. By the way, Bridget, great job on the uh, the BC Lowell broadcast. Thank you. I was, I was listening. I'm sure Scott was listening. Yep. It was a great. You did a great Thank job. Thank you. Of course, the the Bruins line, the the quote unquote Bruins line, didn't get to play together because Trevor Kuntar got suspended for the game. So I was like, oh man, I had so much to say, and I was gonna like really hype up this Bruins line because, I, like, you know, for for people who were wanting to follow Bruins prospects, it's easy. It's just one, two, three. They're all they're all Bruins prospects right here on this line all together. Um, and yeah, he had to get suspended. So, but That's Oscar Jelvik, right? what? One of them scored though, right? Yeah, Oscar yeah, Jelvik scored the game winner. So that nice yeah, that was, a, that was a nice goal on the power play. You can like faked out a low player at the blue line, and then just walked in and picked a spot. Yeah, it was a really nice goal, and and it gave them the win. So that that was at least nice. But I was a little bummed out that they didn't they didn't all get to play together. Yeah, I saw like I saw fan footage of the uh, Kuntar thing. I didn't even like it. Didn't even seem like he did anything it was just kind of a scrum but like maybe at college rules like they probably just have no tolerance for that type of stuff i think he might have said something because when i watched it back he was literally face mask to face mask with the other guy and like in his face like screaming something at him that i couldn't tell what it, what he said mm-hmm. but maybe that's that all i can think that's but it was um you know 
It was unfortunate because that's the guy that's further along of those prospects. The other two are freshmen. Gasso and Jelvik are freshmen and Kuntar is a junior. So he's the one that's closer to, you know, eventually entering the Bruins system. So it would have been nice to see him firsthand um, broadcasting, I guess, and on Nesson where everybody could see him because he's been, you know, you can watch all the games on ESPN plus, but you know, Nesson's right there and, and easy for everyone to watch. So. Well, just drop that. <laughs> and that's a sign that it's time to end the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Brian's time. hat. Brian's hat is done. <laughs> my hat. My hat's time for it's, it's ready for bed. I know I am. Um. All right. Bruins. Bruins play the Blackhawks Saturday at the Garden. We'll be back probably Saturday or Sunday to talk about that. Thank you for listening. Good night. <laughs> Thank you.